Yeah, hello, Parkview. I'm glad y'all are here. How many of y'all have uh, seen or heard about this TV show called Fringe? All right, yeah, good, good number. It's about, you know, this team of investigators who investigate paranormal phenomena. But it's by no means the only one on TV. Tons of shows like this, right? There's Ghost Whisperer and uh, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International and Medium. And then there's, I think there's even more movies about, about this stuff. Uh, how many of y'all saw the very first movie called Paranormal Activity? Yeah, not, not the one that just came out, which I think was Paranormal Activity 17. Paranormal Activity first. I actually watched that one because everybody was talking about it. And it was, I watched it on my laptop and it was late at night and it was freaking me out. I, I didn't have the lights on and I was, I was by myself and it, it was literally scaring me. I had, to, I had to, so I turned on the TV and had to, watch, and had to have the Simpsons over here while I, yeah, because, you know, it keeps me grounded in reality. Paranormal activity is an unbelievable entertainment and cultural phenomenon. The, the, the movie has made very quickly over $110 million at the box office. And you know what it costs to make the movie? 15000 15000 That's all it cost? The, the, the male and female lead actor and actress in the movie, they, they got the part by responding to ads on Craigslist. No lie. Uh, unbelievable. So folks are interested in this, and, and a lot of y'all are too. You submitted some of your questions, and we got questions like, you know, are ghosts real? Uh, are demons real? What can they do to me? Um, if I have a guardian angel, how come bad stuff still happens to me? Some pretty serious questions. We got some less serious questions too, like, was Casper really friendly? Or was he just, you know, kind of needy? Um, uh, somebody else, somebody else submitted the question, are they ever going to make a Ghostbusters 3? Apparently, they might, they might. This is, this is something that I think we're real interested in. However, I realize that there's kind of a continuum here. You, we're, I, and I'm interested, just kind of where you are. Where are you at on the spectrum? Because I think for some of us, we kind of like go, eh, I'm pretty skeptical. I'm a pretty rational person. This seems like hype. It seems like hysteria. It seems like just kind of superstition. Maybe you kind of lean that away. Or maybe you kind of lean the other way and go, no, dude, I, I believe in this stuff. I mean, I didn't used to, but I do now, or I always have, or... Wherever you're at today, I, I, I hope this helps you. And what I'd like to do is I'd kind of like to start by, by saying something to the folks who kind of lean towards the skeptical. All right? What I'd say to folks is say, well, you know what, that just is mostly hype and superstition. And I'm a little too sophisticated. I'm a little too educated, a little too modern for that kind of mumbo jumbo hocus pocus stuff. One, one thing I encourage you to keep in mind is prior to 1870, uh, folks obviously died a lot from disease and illness and got sick. And, but, but prior to 1870, nobody really knew why. But then a, then a bunch of researchers started to uh, propose that there were these unseen beings. Couldn't see them, couldn't smell them, couldn't taste them or touch them. But these unseen beings caused disease and illness and um, 
they were not only to blame for a lot of disease and illness, they were also everywhere. And you know what they were talking about. They, they called them Packer fans. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That was... Lord, I apologize for that there. And Anyhow, no, 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 germs. They call them germs. Louis Pasteur, right? Germs. And um, germ theory, when it was first postulated, y'all, the, the scientific medical community said, oh, that's, that's just fantasy. That's just nonsense. But is there anybody in this house today who thinks germs don't exist? But have you ever seen one with the naked eye? Have you, have you ever heard one? But you believe they're there. And think of all the stuff we know because we know about this. Think of all the stuff we do. You know, we, we get our kids vaccinated and, and we wash our hands and we wash our food and, and we have this stuff right here, right? All right? How, how, how many, how many uh, don't, how many have some of this? Some folks will never leave home without this. <laughs> The American Express card. No, uh, how, many, how many have some hand sanitizer with you right now? May I see your hands, please? Addicts. Anyhow, um, but you know, if you, if you think about it, first service I did this by accident. And uh, sorry, but it's, it's okay if it got you. It's, 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 seriously, it was by accident the first time, but it was so much fun. I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it again. Everybody knows that there's these invisible things that are, that are not visible to the naked eye, but are very real and cause all sorts of havoc. And the scriptures teach that spiritual reality is kind of a lot like that. Next week, we're going to talk about angels and, 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 and demons. So let, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about ghosts first off here. Let, let's talk about, first of all, what we mean by ghosts. In the movie Paranormal Activity, you might remember, I mean, it's a fictional movie. They try to make you think it's real, but it's a fictional movie. And in the movie, there's this one character who gets called in who's an expert on, I guess you'd call it the occult. And he says, he explains that the difference between a demon and a ghost is that the demon is an evil spirit, but a ghost is the spirit of a human being who's died. And kind of interestingly enough, that's, that, that's biblically on target. There is actually a story in the Bible of an actual ghost. Uh, King Saul, we read about in the Bible from 1 Samuel. King Saul and the, the armies of the Israelites were up against the Philistines, but they were very, very, very badly outnumbered, and Saul was just freaking out. He's like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, should I go to war? Should I not go to war? And on top of that, it was even worse because his, his main spiritual advisor was a, a prophet by the name of Samuel, and Samuel had died. So Samuel is, is not around to give him advice, so he ends up consulting with a medium. Not a large or a small, but a medium. And uh, the medium was from a place called Endor. Uh, which is not to be confused with the place where the Ewoks are from in Star Wars, though that was the forest moon of Endor. This is something different. This is the medium from Endor. The, uh, some, some different translations actually refer to this person as the witch of Endor, though that doesn't seem very nice. And uh, Samuel, uh, 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 Saul goes to this medium and says, you know, bring up the spirit of Samuel for me. And Samuel appears. And Samuel speaks. And Samuel says this, you know, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound that scary to me. He just sounds like he's not a morning person. <laughs> but then the 
spirit of Samuel not only tells Saul that the Israelites will not prevail in battle, but that he's going to die in that battle. Bummer of a message from beyond the grave, huh? You're dead meat. Have a nice day. But now, now, now some, there, there are those who would say, no, that wasn't an actual ghost. That was a hallucination or this was some sort of trick by the medium or that this was a demon impersonating Samuel. And I can understand where folks are coming from when they, when, when they say that or teach that. But I just say plainly, well, that's not what the Bible says. Bible says clearly that the spirit of Samuel appeared and spoke to Saul. And at, ver- at the very least, that tells us, y'all, that at least once in human history, at least once in human history, there was such a thing as an actual ghost. So the Bible's clear about that. But the Bible's also clear on some other things. Hit it real quick here. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says, There shall not be found among you anyone who uses divination, practices witchcraft, or who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. Scripture also says, Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out. Folks, the Bible is crystal 100% clear on this and and says that that, uh, under no circumstances, for no reason, is anyone ever to try and consult with the dead. Don't talk to psychics about your problems in person or on the psychic hotline. Both are very expensive, I understand. Don't try to figure out what's going to happen in your life by talking to a fortune teller or a palm reader, even at the fair and saying it's just for fun. The Bible is super clear. No way, no how, for no reason. No exceptions. And I know it's hard because stuff's going on in your life and you're going, God, man, what's going to happen? Tell me what... I'll just be as candid as I can possibly be. There have been times in my life where I was at a loss of what to do, and I'm driving along, and I'd see that sign over there off the road. It's always like neon in like the middle of the night or something saying, you know, psychic readings 24 hours a day. Well, I've been tempted. I've been tempted to go, well, you know, I'll just, you know, it's like 10 bucks. I'll see what, what could it hurt? Well, no way, no how, no reason. So I didn't do it. And here's what I've come to realize. If I'm seeking a word from God about what's going to happen in my life or the life of someone I love, and he's not giving it to me, if I'm seeking a word from God and he's not telling it, he's not telling me, here's what I've come to accept even though it's hard. If he isn't telling me right now, I don't need to know right now. If you're seeking something from the Lord right now, you want some answers and you want to know what you're supposed to do. Or if he's not telling you right now, you don't need to know right now. I know it's hard, but don't go looking somewhere else. So we have this story in Scripture about a spirit speaking to someone, about a ghost. But the Bible doesn't just say, you know, that well, the Bible doesn't say that ghosts are all over the place, you know, like in Sixth Sense. The Bible doesn't say that ghosts look like Bruce Willis or Patrick Swayze, for that matter. Every time somebody thinks there's something like that going on, doesn't mean there is. My wife, before she was a Christ follower, she had this house. And in, in this house, she, she was wondering if it was haunted. There were things that she was hearing that wasn't the neighbors and wasn't the street and wasn't the air conditioning kicking on and wasn't anything that she could explain and it just kept happening. 
and happening. And, and uh, then when the house passed on to the next person to live in that house, it kept happening. Two very different people. And, and, and she was speaking to the person who lived in the house after her. And the person said, have you heard anything weird? And she's like, yeah. Up in the attic? Yeah. So this person heard something. And the second they heard something, the next time they went up in the attic. And they found raccoons. <laughs> True story. There's no way to know for sure in all cases if somebody has actually seen a ghost or not. I don't know. Scripture says really clearly, though, that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And it stands to reason if he can masquerade as an angel of light, why couldn't he masquerade as, as the departed spirit of somebody that you might be interested in? And remember, this is the only actual ghost story in all the Bible that I'm aware of. This is the only ghost that's mentioned in the Bible that's uh, a historical reference, except for you know, King James Bible, which talks about the Holy Ghost, but we're not talking about that. So while we should not dismiss the possibility of ghosts, we also have to say that if ghosts were something really super important for us to know a whole lot about, don't you reckon God would have given us like more than just one story on it? He gave us one story and then lots of commands to steer clear of anything that, that is like that or, steer or, or, or seems to be like that. God couldn't be any clearer. We don't need to know what's going on. Don't mess with it. Don't mess. As I mentioned, next week we're going to talk about angels and demons. But with the rest of our time today, let's talk about the spiritual entity that uh, we may want to know something about that the Bible talks a lot about. Real interesting, the survey research tells us that 60% of people in our country who identify themselves as Christians, 60% of people in our country who identify themselves as Christian also say they do not believe that Satan exists. 60%. 60% say he's just a symbol or a manner of speaking about evil. But with all due respect, <clears throat> wrong. The Bible says that Jesus spoke frequently of Satan. The Bible says that Jesus himself was tempted by Satan. And then look what the Bible says later on in the New Testament. The Bible says, it's kind of like our memory verse for the day. Be self-controlled and alert. Read this out loud with me together, would you please? Let's go. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Did not say you have a metaphorical enemy or a symbolic representation. It says your enemy, the devil. And it's kind of disturbing, I realize. Uh, Satan's also called in Scripture the, the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's in Ephesians chapter to verse 2, and air there doesn't mean like oxygen. It doesn't mean, you know, the atmosphere or the sky. There the word air means the unseen spiritual realm or part of it. You have an enemy. That's why the Bible says clearly be self-controlled and alert. 
the most important battle going on in our world today is not between liberals and conservatives, not between democracies and extremism, not between Sox fans and Cub fans. That's not even a real battle. The most important battle in each of our lives is the battle between the kingdom of God and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And see, there's kind of two ways we can go wrong on this. We can go wrong on this by making the mistake that kind of living as if there is no spiritual enemy. Or we can also go wrong by attributing everything to him. You know, every time something negative happens, oh, it was the devil, you know. I, I got a hangnail. Oh, I bounced a check. Oh, it was the devil's after. No, 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 no. I don't think I know. I don't believe I know when it's when it's. All I know is that every time something goes wrong in my life, it's, you know, it, it's, it's not necessarily Satan. We don't want to get wrapped up in, in an unhealthy fixation. I, I've known well-meaning Christ followers who are a lot more fascinated by the devil than they were by God. We don't want to be like that, do we, church? Thank you. We don't. We don't want to be spiritually paranoid. I'm not one of those persons who sees the devil or a demon behind, it, behind every bush and rock and tree. But neither are we to be the people who feel like we're just too sophisticated to speak of the devil. So what do we know about him? Here's some questions we got. One of the questions was, uh, what can the devil do to you? Another question, can he cause physical harm? Can he read our thoughts? I actually get that one, you know, can the devil read your thoughts? Somebody once said, oh, you should never pray. Maybe you've heard this. You should never pray out loud because if you only pray to yourself, then the devil can't hear what you're praying and he can't interfere with your prayers. Bible doesn't say that. Or if it does, I'm not aware of it. And to be honest with you, my, my experience has been it, it doesn't really matter whether the devil can read my thoughts or, 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 or hear my prayers to know what I'm thinking. All he's got to do is... Watch my behavior. I'm not that hard to figure out. And the Bible doesn't say that we ought to be all freaked out and worried about the evil one's ability to cause injury or illness. Here's what the Bible says that we should be concerned about. The Bible says that we should be, be concerned about Satan's ability to deceive. Jesus says this about him. He has always hated the truth. He's a liar and the father of lies. Truth's not in him. See, here's one of the things Satan does, okay? There's so much in Hollywood like, ooh, one of the things Satan does. He tries to get you to believe stuff that's not true. For instance, God's word says clearly, clearly that you can count on him and trust him for your basic needs to get met. But there's something else that says, oh no, you've got to watch out for yourself. You better take care of yourself. You know, you're, 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 you're going you're gonna to starve and die old and alone. Bible clearly says, watch out for the love of money. Watch out for materialism. Watch out for greed. The Bible says that really, really clearly. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and wealth. But there's another voice that says, man, if I could just win the lottery. Man, if I could just be financially independent. Financially independent is politically correct for filthy, stinking rich. Right? I think that sometimes. Ooh, if I only could just... Get that Powerball number. Please, Jesus, let me get the Powerball number. Because and, and, you know what? I'm believing the lie. 
that money can satisfy me. Satan is a deceiver. The Bible is really clear. But no matter who you are or how it feels, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When it says fearfully, that means awesomely, marvelously made. And that you're a precious child of God. And yet there's a voice that says, you're not lovable you're worthless Satan's a deceiver and he'll try to knock you down if you're a real believer so he deceives and we gotta watch out for his lies but he also entraps. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 25 and 26. At the end of the verse, it, it, it talks about people who need to escape from the devil's trap. So he not only deceives, the devil also entraps. He entraps. Do you ever, you ever notice how when you decide to, to, to overcome something or, or, or God's conviction of the Holy Spirit's on you and you've got to make some changes, that stuff just seems to start happening to kind of get you off that particular mark? I mean, you decide, man, i got to get out of, uh, out of consumer debt. i got to quit spending money I don't have. And then that day, your very favorite store throws the sale of the century. And you start plunking down the plastic. Or you decide that you're going to get out of the partying lifestyle. And that day, your best friend shows up with a keg. You finally start taking seriously what the Lord's been saying to you your whole life about sexual purity. And five minutes later, there's a pop-up on your computer screen. With an image that seems to be particularly tempting when it comes to lustful type stuff you got to understand that not only is satan a spiritual propaganda expert he's not only a spiritual spin doctor who will try to convince you of things that are not true about life and god and people and yourself he's he's also a hunter he will also trap you and there are all sorts of traps laying all over the ground in our lives. There's a trap called greed, and there's a trap called gossip, and there's a trap called dishonesty, and there's a trap called bitterness, and there's a trap called sex outside of marriage, there's a trap called adultery, and a trap called pornography. Somebody's trying to trap you, and he's trying to trap me too. And if you're trapped today, you can be freed from that trap. So Satan deceives and Satan entraps. But look what else Jesus says that he does. John chapter 10. The thief comes to only steal, kill, to, to steal, kill, and destroy. Understand this well. There is one in this universe who is, who is hell-bent on your destruction. 
He is not your friend. He is not your fan. He is your foe. And he is out to destroy. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy your friendships. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your morality. He wants to destroy your credibility in the witness of the, to those who are not Christ followers. He wants to destroy your ministry. And he wants to destroy mine too. And it's so tough because I don't need any help. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty adept at screwing things up all by myself. Thank you very much. I can be my own worst enemy. But you know what? I am never my only enemy. You have an enemy, and he will deceive you, and he will trap you, and he will do everything he can to bring destruction to your life. So we've got to be real careful to not dismiss this stuff as kind of superstitious or a matter of speaking and live in the ignorance and denial of this aspect of the spiritual world and the devil's part in it. At the same time, we're not to become fixated or obsessed with what the devil does. He's to be taken seriously, but he is not to be feared as if he is on par with God. He is not. Scripture says to anyone who is in Christ, don't miss this Christ follower. You, dear children, are from God. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If you're a Christ follower today, if Christ is in you, he's in you not because you figured it out or because you've got your act together. He's in you because you asked him in. He's in you because you committed your life to him, because you gave yourself to him when he said, give your life to me. If you're a Christ follower, the one who's in you is greater than the one who wants to deceive you and entrap you and destroy you. You don't need to live in fear of him. You know, people want to know, well, what can the devil do to me? You know, can, can, what can de- demons do to a person? You know, because in the movies, demons and devils are always, you know, tossing people out windows or, you know, impaling them on rebar or something like that. Let me read to you the words of the renowned Christian leader, Watchman Nee. Satan has a plan against the saints of the Most High to wear them out. Reduce a little today, reduce a little tomorrow, thus the wearing out is almost imperceptible. He will take away your prayer life little by little and cause you to trust God less and less and yourself more and more. A little at a time, he will make you feel somewhat cleverer than you are. Step by step, you are misled to rely more on your own gift and step by step, your heart is enticed away from the Lord. He uses the method of gradualism to wear down the people of God. Or as they say where I come from, devil's boots don't creak. You've got a lot more to worry about from the darkness. Slowly reducing your prayer life. Slowly reducing your praise. Slowly reducing your obedience. Slowly reducing your generosity. Slowly reducing your love for God. Slowly reducing your love for one another than you do of, of Him hurting you physically. So, what do we do? If that's what He does... If he, if he deceives and entraps and tries to destroy, what, are we, what do we do? Three things, at least. First one is uh, seek truth. Somebody say, seek truth. Seek truth. This is not 
a truth. This is the truth. This is God's truth. If something agrees with something that's not in here, it's not in the truth. Please don't think the book, this book is, is just a rule book for Christians or a collection of christian stories for Christian boys and girls. This is God's truth. We all need to be involved in seeking truth. Somebody say, seek truth. Seek truth. Seek truth. Seek truth. Do you seek truth or do you just go to church because nothing really else going on this weekend? All those people aren't here today. We're better than them, aren't we? Just kidding. Do you come here to seek truth? Come here to seek truth. Read the Bible on your own. It's not easy to understand all the time, but read it because you're seeking truth. And, and, and you want to do something about this, this spiritual thing. I, I want to seek truth. That's what that, when was the last time you sought truth with another believer or somebody else who's, who's spiritually interested in things of God? Seek truth. Seek truth through Scripture. Somebody say seek truth. Here's the second thing. Uh, get connected. Somebody say get connected. Get connected. It's Memorial Day. Soldiers are known for not going into battle alone. You know, spies sometimes do, you know, espionage type stuff. But soldiers, no. Soldiers go into battle in platoons. My grandfather served in World War I. Platoon. Why do we talk about small groups much around here? Because it's not just that we need to friends and be more, you know, involved in community. We need to get connected. We need to get connected so that we can fight. So we have, so we have a, a spiritual platoon who's got our back. Bill Brown and I have been knowing each other for over 20 years. I love that guy so much. And, and he's, he, he's, he's a close friend of mine. And there would be times when, I'm, when I am just getting the you-know-what beat out of me spiritually. And I'll text Bill, you know, it's like, it's like, Bill, pray for me, dude. And, and he's like praying for you, dude. Got, got, we, we say dude a lot. And we got, we got, got, got your, got your back. You know, there's times when he's struggling with stuff and he'll go, man, you know, and I got, man, got, got your back. Family's nice and obviously very important. Friends are important. Do you have a spiritual platoon who has your back? Or are you trying to fight this war solo? We need each other. Your small group is your spiritual battle platoon. Seek truth, get connected. And then, and then the third one is like, is going to be, just going to blow your mind, okay? This is going to be so out there, you're, you've never heard anything like this in church before. Pray. I know, right? I know, right? Oh my gosh. Wow, that is so deep. You better believe it's deep. You better believe it's deep. I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to pray like my life depended on it. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, come on now. Neighbor, look at your neighbor. You know, do it. Say, neighbor, you better pray like your life depends on it. Yeah, I better pray like my life depends on it. My life doesn't depend on the power of prayer because the power of prayer is the power of God. And so my life depends on the power of God, but I need to pray. I am going to be the healthiest person. You know what? I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to shower until next spring now. 
And I realize that some of this spiritual warfare stuff sounds kind of fanatical and kind of out there. I get that. I know. I get that. But to the people who first heard about germs, they thought the people who knew about germs were out there too. But the people who knew about germs didn't care what people thought. They cared about people's health. And that's kind of who I want to be if you'd let me today. I, 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 don't, I, don't got this, I don't have, I don't got, I don't have this stuff all figured out. But I do know he'll deceive you. And he'll try to trap you. And he'll try to destroy whatever he can. And uh, I need to watch out. But this isn't bad news. Because there's good news. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Right now, somebody in this room, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, somebody in this room, just because there's a bunch of people here, somebody here is thinking about doing something that is not good. And there's all sorts of thoughts going on in your mind. You're saying, oh, you know, it's not good, but it's not that bad. I've done worse. I'm not proud of it, but I've done worse. I mean, it's not that wrong. It's not as wrong as what my husband does. It's not as wrong as what my neighbor does or my wife or my brother. It's not as wrong as what my friends do. And uh, maybe it's something you've been doing a long time. Or maybe it's something you've never done before. And you're closer right now to doing it than ever before. Beware. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That thing you're about to do that you can't say is good, don't do it. It's a trap. It's an ambush. You have an enemy in the spiritual realm. The Bible doesn't say to fear him. The Bible says to resist him. Are you going to resist or are you going to get tracked, trapped and tricked? I know it can be scary, but listen, don't... Make no mistake about this. Satan has got a lot more to fear from Jesus and the Holy Spirit than you do from Satan. In Jesus' lifetime, the demons begged him not to do to him, to them what he could do to them. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. People go, well, you know, how come God lets Satan do stuff? You know, listen, Scripture's clear. Satan doesn't just run around roughshod all over this planet any old way he pleases. He does have power, but it is power that is limited by God. And for right now, Satan's spiritual rebellion is allowed to go on for a while longer. But please keep in mind, please keep in mind that, that so is human rebellion. God allows the spiritual rebellion of those who refuse to submit to him to go on. But just like Satan, it won't be allowed to go on forever. Be, be, be clear about this. Make no mistake about it. The devil's day is coming. His day of reckoning is coming. He and all his minions are going to get his. But please don't be more interested in him getting his. On his day of reckoning. Than you are. About you having things squared away. On yours. I've got a day of reckoning coming. And so do you. But praise God, I'm not going to get what I got coming to me because Jesus already took it. 
Let me say it again. I've done a lot of things in my life to hurt a lot of people. I have hurt my friends. I have hurt my family. I, I have hurt myself. I have hurt my God. I have hurt, I have hurt everything that matters to me. But I am not going to get what I deserve because somebody who loves me took what I deserve for me. My day of reckoning is coming and it's, sober, it's a sobering thought. But somebody's got my back. Somebody took what I got coming just for the love of me. Messed up person that I am. How about you? Are you ready for your day of reckoning? Please don't think. That you got it squared away because you try hard to be a good person. Please don't think that you got it squared away because you go to church. Please don't think that you got it squared away because you pray or because you're not as bad as a serial killer or any of that. There is only one thing. There is one thing and his name is Jesus. And you have nothing to fear on judgment day when he is your savior, when he is your Lord. You got nothing to fear. And, and Satan's going to get his. And Jesus already took yours. Can I get a witness in this house? Come on now. And one other thing, y'all. In a room of this many people, not only is there somebody who's fixing to do something wrong, there's also somebody who's fixing to not do something right. We need to not be deceived to think that Satan's main deal is to get us doing all these evil, nefarious things. A lot of times, what he really wants us to do is just nothing. The world is not just evil because of what people do. It's because of what, many times, what Christ followers don't do. Are you going to, are you going to not just resist the wrong, but are you going to fight for the right? And I don't mean, Beastie Boys, to party. I mean, are you going to fight for your God-given right to do good in this world through the Holy Spirit who lives in you? The spiritual darkness may not care that much if you, if you do something awful or not. Be satisfied if you just do nothing. Do nothing about poverty. Do nothing about your marriage that's going down the tubes. Do nothing about the gangs in the area where you live. Do, do, do nothing about the declining morality of our world. Just do nothing. What's he trying to get you not to don't be freaked out because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, church. He is greater than your disease. He is greater than your depression. He is greater than your addiction. He is greater than your financial problems. He is greater than your relational problems. He is greater than your fears. He is greater than your doubts. He is greater than all the pain from all the tears from all the years. And he is greater than your enemy. Don't you give up. Don't you give in. Don't you get tricked. Don't you get trapped. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Will you receive this today? It does not matter. It does not matter. Don't let the darkness tell you that you've messed up too many times or it's too late for you. Nobody is too late. Nobody is too far because you are loved too much. Let's pray. God, help us. I pray for that person who feels like they're too far gone. I pray for anybody who's trapped, deceived. I pray for the ways that I give into deception and traps in my life. 
Lord, help us to live in the truth of greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name.